Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. With over 1 billion, with a B, in claims paid, Trupanion has you covered. Whether you're a dedicated breeder, a loving owner, or both. Trupanion is also the first pet insurance provider to offer a special breeding rider that you can add to your coverage. That way, you know your dogs are covered from common health concerns associated with breeding and whelping. Like emergency C-sections, for example. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and today we have part two of our episode talking with Lorraine Bisso, an AKC judge. She is an Irish setter breeder, and she brings to us a wealth of history and knowledge, and I am thrilled. So, okay, talk to me. Can you do this? You want to do this? You want to do your best in show lineup? Let's see how long it takes me to assemble it. (laughs) Okay, one of our favorite games to play is to ask people who have been around for the decades to name their all-time favorite best in show lineup. So the best dogs they have ever seen ever and put them in the ring together and see who they pick. So let's see what you got, Lorraine. Okay, well, some of these are not dogs I actually saw in person, but that I was familiar with. Okay. The English setter, Rock Falls Colonel. Yep. Has my sporting group. I am a big fan of bourbon, so let's put her in there for the hound group. Okay. And working, I'm going to take Sawgrace Fashion Plate. Okay. In Terriers, I'm going to choose Carmichael's Fanfare, the Scotty. Okay. For non-sporting, we're going to go with the Poodle Command Performance. All right. All right. So that leaves me a toy or her. Now I'm stuck because I have. Okay. In toy, I'm going to go way back to a Maltese, which was the toy dancer bitch shown by Anna Marie Stimler. Oh, my goodness. Who won the toy group at the garden. Truly a beautiful Maltese. Awesome. I was actually thinking Maltese, too. <laughs> No, I guess part of it is that Anna Maria won the toy group at the garden with her when she was 16. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that leaves me hurting. I have so many favorite hurting dogs. It's either going to be a Collie or a Shepherd or a Pembroke Bush Corgi. And we're going to go with Miranda's Daily Double, the Collie. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, you asked. (laughs) I know. I love it. This is like one of my very favorite things, literally, and to hear people give their what struck them and what stays with them. And it's fascinating and I love it. And I think listeners, this helps us understand our judges that we're showing to the dogs that they've seen, the pictures that are in their heads. You know, this is how people judge is they have these pictures in their heads. And so I think that that is just fabulous information. Are there any surprises in there? Dogs you don't know? The Daily Double Dog, 
I never saw. I'll have to go dig up a picture on that one. He was shown on the East Coast. Okay. I have a couple of favorite colleagues. I just sort of picked him up. This is a Stony Kirk reflection. Right. I have a really soft spot for colleagues. I guess. I love it. So I want to know, of all of this amazing half-century-spanning group of dogs, who wins Best in Show? The Scotty. All right. Carmichael Fanfare. Owned by the Stanford. I love that. Okay. Even though any one of those could have been... Right. There's a few, like the boxer, that's the first time I've heard someone put that particular dog in and stuff like that. So I just love it. This is so much fun. He was such a handsome dog. Yeah. Just, I mean, he comes down from Barrage and Bang Away. Mm-hmm. Barrage's sister, Baroque, went best in show at Morrison Essex at their last show. And if you look at the picture of Baroque, you can definitely see the similarity to the athletic, as they were called. Oh, my goodness. So now you've done the perfect segue for us. You are actively involved in putting together this year's Morrison Essex Dog Show. Yeah. So talk to us about Emini. Talk to us about the history of it. And we were talking earlier about just the history of the sport in general and bringing that forward. So talk to us a little bit. First of all, tell everybody your specific role with m e this year. Since I am the specially and supported entry chair for Morris and Essex, I'm also a member of the board. But my specific okay. job and spot on the show committee is that I specially and supported entries, of which this year we have 140 clubs participating. 140? 140 of the breeds will be either a supported entry or a specialty. Wow. Several of them will be the national specialty for that breed. It will be amazing, but we have big shoes to fill. Geraldine Rockefeller Dodge was born in 1882, and when she married her husband, Hartley, Hartley Dodge, they were the wealthiest couple in America. She brought $110 million to the wedding. Wow. He almost could match her. And we're talking about 1905. She was John D's Rockefeller's niece. Her father, William, was active in dogs. She loved dogs, horses, and art. And over her lifetime, she combined the three to a height, I don't think, matched by anybody. She has been called probably Dogdom's Woman of the Century because she was instrumental in the development of the German Shepherd in this country. She was the major player in the development and division of the English Cocker Spaniel from the Cocker Spaniel. Mm -hmm. She wrote the book on the breed. At M&E every year, the entry is especially by the parent club in her honor. She and Mr. Hartley had adjoining estates in Morristown, New Jersey, and she decided she wanted to have a dog show, and they put it on because he was active in this. We all think of Mrs. Dodge. He's very much on the scene. It's going to be on their polo field, and the first year, I love this, she only gave classes for the breeds she was interested in. I think there were 18 breeds that had classes. Oh, my God, that's funny. And AKC, 
eventually said she would have to open it up to all breeds. And this is when it began to really sort of grow. But there were a couple things that she just insisted upon. It would be the exhibitor show. Everything was done for the exhibitor. And the exhibitors rose to the occasion. They dressed for the show. They brought their best dogs. Mrs. Dodge would personally invite the judges. She looked for experts in the breeds. She offered sterling silver trophies in every breed, including one for best American bred in memory of their son, who was tragically killed just after he graduated from Princeton. He went to Europe, you know, as you would do back then. And he was killed in a car accident. Oh, my gosh. And that was her only child. Mm. Okay. It just all came to a very sudden end. But anyway, so Sterling Silver Trophies, you can find pictures of the trophy table. Flowers. She served lunch to the exhibitors. She served lunch to the judges. There were parties in the week leading up to m and As I said, everybody came dressed. The best dogs were there because the best judges were there because she gave cash prizes. In 1939, her entry reached, now remember this is 1939, when dog shows usually were 200, 300 dogs, 4,456 dogs. She had 50 rings. Oh, my God. Her show ran from 10 o'clock in the morning till 6 p.m. She rang the bell at 12, and everybody stopped for lunch, (laughs) which we still do today. At 12 o'clock, a little dinner bell is rung, and judging stops, and we stop for an hour. And box lunches are provided for the exhibitors and the judges who serve lunch. And at 1 o'clock, we start again. That was her largest show. She did take a break for World War II. She came back in, I believe, 46 and came roaring back. The shows were better in every way. In 1955, she did not have a show because she couldn't get the date. I'll just leave it that way. But she came back in 56. In 57, no show was held for a variety of reasons. And that was the last we heard of Morris and Essex. Hmm. And then in 1996, I believe, Wayne Ferguson, who was our president, show chair, right. was at a board meeting for St. Hubert. Someone mentioned to him that there was all kinds of dog shed stuff in the attic and did he want to see it. And so Wayne went up to the attic and he said, there are boxes upon boxes that obviously were just put away after the last show because I don't think she intended not to give another show. It just didn't happen. And he got together a group of similarly-minded people, and M&E was revived in 2000. And we were lucky enough in 2000 to do it on the polo field, which is now properly owned, and that's why we moved to Somerset to get the same field, the same car. I was asked to be on a committee with Peggy Helming and Connie Vanacore, and that was for 2005 show, and in 2010, I actually became the chair of the committee. And so every five years, Brigadoon reappears out of the myths, and it's amazing. It should be on everybody's bucket list. And I would like to think she thinks we do a really good job of it. The banners are flying. We don't use her ring arrangement quite because we don't have the polo field. But if somebody wants to give us a polo field, but 
to give you some perspective, in 1939 or in the late 30s, Barnum and Bailey was the big circus. They used 60,000 feet of tenting. Mrs. Dodge used 170,000 feet of tenting. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard that one. That's a lot of tenting. Yes. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Discover your dog's genetic health, optimize your breeding decisions, and identify your puppy's genetic profiles before they go to their new homes. All of that with Embark for Breeders Dog DNA Kits. As the highest rated dog DNA kit on the market, Embark has you covered with exclusive breeder tools. Embark offers the only genetic coefficient of inbreeding tests available, as well as OFA submission reports. Find out why thousands of breeders have trusted Embark to enhance their breeding program through screening for breed-specific genetic conditions, understanding traits, and identifying genetic diversity. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive dog DNA kit, visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK to enjoy $20 off each kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders, code PUREDOGTALK. Their world-class scientists and veterinary geneticists are standing by. Okay, so this October, we have over 80 judges, and that's not counting the 40 sweepstakes judges who are coming, of which you were one. I have to say one of the lovely things about M&E is everything is donated. While Mrs. Dodge paid for her show, the members of M&E and our sponsors donate a lot of what you see. The judges, for example, are not paid. That's their donation. We don't cover expenses. We don't pay a fee. You get a night at the hotel and a lovely meal. You know what you get? You have the opportunity, and you and I spoke about this earlier, just even judging the sweepstakes, the opportunity, the honor of getting to do that is, to me, payment. Like, okay, (laughs) I'll pay to do this. That's fine. (laughs) Mrs. Dodge always sought out breed experts. At one show for a German judge, she had 270 German shepherds for another pointer expert. 110 pointers. Mm. Dachshunds, I think, went over 300 one time. So when Emily was revived, we tried to follow her plan, so to speak, and invite what we thought represented the best. And in 2015, we decided to refine it a little bit and we narrowed the playing field, so to speak, that Whenever possible, your breed would be judged by someone who actually came from that group in 2015. And I see this as a word to show chairman. Our entry jumped a thousand dogs. Right? We went from 3,000 something to 4,100 dogs. Yeah. Because I think the quality of the panel and of course the show, the depth of quality in the classes is amazing. Everybody goes to M&E. Walter Fletcher wrote that in the 40s. Everyone goes to M&E. And I fully expect it to be that way in October. In honor of Mrs. Dodge, and because of the growth of the show, 
we have chosen to limit the entry to 4,454 dogs, one less than her show, because we don't want to leave our founders in the dust. However, when the premium list comes out, I would urge people who want to go to enter, because it sounds like a big number, but it's well within our reach. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an amazing show. I mean, when you look back, we have a wonderful book that Debbie Rudman wrote that's called The Golden Age Dog Shows. It's the history of Morris and Essex. When you look at the dogs, when you look at the people, when you look at the legends, you and I were talking about the legends of our sport, both human and dog, that have walked down the midway at Morris and Essex. You cannot help but just stand there in awe and think, this is where Lewis Murr came with his Borzoe and won the Hound Group. This is where Norton Stat or the Fox Terrier won. This is where I'm proud to say three different Irish setters. And when you say the Irish setters, Redcoat in the early 30s are a turning point for Irish setters. Redcoat is in everybody's category, just about. It's amazing to think that they were there. You come up a little further, and Milson O'Boy goes to Boston show. He's bred down to Farmer, whose brother had won Westminster. My own Brucey wins Boston. Two of my favorite memories, Jane Camp, who was Mrs. Porter's handler for all of her very famous Irish setters, Judge Irish setters in 2000. I also was standing with Rick Chisudian when Mick came in. When you come to Morris in Essex, you will immediately feel transported to that golden age of dog. We encourage people to come dressed in their favorite. The ladies are wearing hats. Our judges are wearing hats. The flowers are beautiful. The Box lunches are served. It's a glorious, beautiful show. People ask me why I am a part of M&E. And I think a good part of it is because it celebrates our history. It's a wonderful expression of dog shows now. And it shows us what we can be, what we are capable of, if that makes sense. And I guess because of my family history and who I've gone. I think that absolutely makes sense. And I am surrounded in m is worldwide. The people involved in m represents, and we're all working towards this common goal of giving the fancy this spectacular show. And as I said, it harkens back to Mrs. Dodge. We try to do everything the way she did it. At the Modern Dog Show, we provide generators. You don't have to worry about power. don't have to bring your little Harley generator. We provide the stewards, and we provide the power, and we provide <laughs> lunch, and we provide the trophies, or the host clubs do. We still have the Silver Morris Essex Bowls, which are all donated by individual people during the groups. We have wonderful judges. We have the best dogs. And it shows us, I think it's a light where we could go, what we're capable of. It's so good for the spirit and the sport of purebred dogs. 
I agree. And one of the things that I wanted to just quickly touch on that I think is so important that you made this point earlier, judges who are deep in their individual breeds. And I understand the average small kennel club can't afford to bring in 200 judges, right? <laughs> like one for each breed. But truly understanding the drawing power of judges who are specialists in their breeds. Well, this year, we tweaked it even a little more in that when a name was put forth before the committee, we did a little homework. And you'll notice this year, which is not to say it hasn't happened in the past, but this year it struck me when I looked at the list. We have a number of people who have already done the national in the breed that they were judging, which meant that breed, we didn't just think they were an expert. They've been honored with a national invitation in the breed they're doing. Right. And I just think that is amazing. We look back to Mrs. Dodge. I've read newspaper clippings. Her show that she's covered by newspapers across the country. They even, at one point, was a cruise from England to the U.S. for people going to Morrison Essex. Oh, my God, I love that. <laughs> you know how Fresh Pond used to arrange for us to go to Cross? There was a cruise plan that left England specifically to go to Morrison Essex. <laughs> There's a flyer for it in the book that I mentioned, the Golden Age Dog Shows. Can you imagine? I mean, oh my God. that's the level at which Morrison Essex was held and I know is held today. I love that. <laughs> yes. A cruise. It was the SS Athenia that year. Love it. I love it. You could book it. your seat, bring your dog, and you could sail to New York, and then I guess train or get a car down to Mrs. Dodge's. There used to be a train that ran to Morristown. Is that not wonderful? I love that. <laughs> I just. You know, love can you see? Oh, are you going to Morrison Essex? Yes, I already booked my ticket on the ship. And there would be parties, and the superintendent's little building was smack in the middle of her polo field, evidently, and it was open on all four sides. <laughs> and there was a veterinarian's little building and whatnot, and the press. Sure. The press came, and they would get their press credentials. And right. There are many clubs that either have a long history with m and or were actually founded there. The American Chesapeake Club. The Blinkton Terrier Club of America, Terry Blue Terrier Club of the United States, who still have a specialty there. The Chessies have a supported entry there. The Bedlingtons will do a specialty there. The history all comes together at M&E. And so at 12 o'clock, when we ring the little bell, people picnic on the grounds. And at 1 o'clock, we bring it in and we start again. And then we do the groups. And we have fabulous people all the way up, all the way up. But it represents a lot of hard work on the part of, I cannot tell you the talented individuals that are at work and that give up the day at m and &E. I mean, from the moment you drive in the gates where you'll see faces that you know to people. The day before, we have a member's work day, if you can picture this. We are raking leaves and picking up acorns and putting on tablecloths and arranging flowers. And we're all in our blue jeans and our T-shirts and making signs. <laughs> and it's all donated 
to bring this wonderful show to life. And of course, for terrier people and for the sport in general, it headlines the beginning of a really fabulous week of dog shows. Absolutely. I just want to thank everybody who joined me in this extraordinary endeavor. So please come to Morris. Well, I know you'll be there and I'll be there, but come to Morris and Emily. I'll be there. You know, whether you dress like Lady Mary gone hunting from Downton Abbey, or you want to be one of the ladies who lunch and come in your brocade suit and your fur and hopefully some big sparkly pin and your gloves, or you want to be Donna Reed and in the 1950s housewife with her pearls and her shirtwaist dress, everyone goes to Morris and Essex. All right, Lorraine, thank you so much. I will see you there. Hats a blazing. I have my outfit already picked out. I've got it together. We just did it. So you're all set. I am. I have my mother's hat. So it's a little bit of kind of like a flappers kind of hat. It actually was my mother's. And a lovely tweedy jacket and a nice pair of tall boots. And I've got the ladies gone hunting look. <laughs> I would like to add one thing in that I didn't touch on. One of the great things about Emily, as I said, is the tremendous generosity of our members and supporters. But Emily itself donates a good share of our profit to things like Take the Lead, the Disaster Relief Trailer Effort, Canine Health. So that's an important part of our aspect because Mrs. Dodge was very active in St. Hubert's for quite a while and for supporting the causes she believes in. So we not only put on her dog show, but we carry through and are of men dogs. I love that. All right. Thank you so much for your time. You're more than welcome. I really, really appreciate it. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you. To make sense out of everyday things. To add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box. To bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. One of my favorite events over the last year or so has been the virtual After Dark for patrons of the podcast. Anybody can join this amazing community of dog enthusiasts by visiting the website and clicking the Become a Patron link on the homepage. While you're there zooming around on the site, you can check out our shopping tab too. There's even a Pure Dog Talk swag link. Who knew? Share the love with all our cool gear. Check it all out at www.puredogtalk.com. Your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. 
Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.